Hello and welcome to Super Saturday, a comic book media podcast where we rank media by its story, impact, and visuals to figure out if these projects will stand the test of time. I'm Damon A. And I'm Jay Hayward. In each episode, we'll be focusing on your favorite comic books, TV shows, and movies. Now, happy Saturday afternoon, soups. Happy Saturday afternoon, Damon, even though we're recording this on a fucking <laughs> monday uh yeah but you know what uh damon real quick i want to get a little funky here uh Ooh, okay. let's take the soups to 2001 okay i'm okay. thinking like roller rinks i'm thinking vince mcmahon buys ecw era okay so okay, not okay. a great era uh but some fun stuff i'm thinking also like uh cups but the squiggly lines the blue and purple squiggly lines you know, the oh, simpler so times, 90s. the nicer times. Yeah. You're still seeing it around the 2000s, what's left of it, the early 2000s. When I was a kid, I remember seeing that at the local roller rink. Oh, God. Uh, I miss those days. I miss them so much. We could still go. The thing is, is that the skate parks are still there. Skate parks, skate rink, whatever. They're still there. We just don't go. Is there one around where you go. are, actually? I forget. You don't. There, There is. There is. But you know what? I think the soups would like to take a trip with us as well, too. Yeah. Uh, maybe not yeah. to the roller rink. Uh, maybe they should, because I think we could be fun to the roller rink, or maybe not. I don't know. I haven't been since I was like a fucking kid. I would fall square on my ass. Uh, but today we're going to be talking about Ultimate X-Men issue one that also came out during all of this, I suppose. Uh, that being said, on with the show. X-Men came out in 2001. Did you know what was happening in the comic book world when this came out, Jay? I, this week, because you were so bad last week, decided to leave it on you this time around. That's that's my that's my excuse this week. Oh, I wasn't I wasn't preoccupied with um with wrestling or nothing. But you know what? I'm glad, you know, I, luckily I came kind of prepared, so we're good. Oh yeah? Um, what do you got? Yeah. Um only thing I can think of at the moment would probably be Grant Morrison's X-Men also came out around the same time this book came out. And Grant Morrison's X-Men was one of the redefining X-Men books that gave new life to the X-Men, but it also put them in black and yellow leather. So two books, two universes where they had a little leather. There's something about uh, BDSM and the X-Men right now. That's just a very common fad. Honestly, it's funny you brought that up because BDSM has always been a thing in X-Men, especially uh, when it comes to Chris Claremont, and he introduced the Hellfire Club, and there was uh, Emma Frost and the Black Queen, and yeah. just You can't fool me, Damon. Hellfire Club is some Stranger Things fad. No. Hellfire Club came originally from the 60s Avengers show, and then Chris Claremont loved it so much, he adapted it into the fucking uh, X-Men. And goes on with the with the passage of history, unlike uh, I don't know, I couldn't think of anything. Uh, but that's fun. That is interesting, though. Uh, that is a really fun little factoid. A lot of X Men in the beginning of two thousands. Why do you think that is exactly, Damon? Well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. It's because the movie, uh, which arguably is one of the movies that really kicked off the superhero boom. 
uh, I would say the three, the trinity, if you will, of superhero movies would be Blade, X-Men, and 2002's Spider-Man. That really kicked off those movies, I guess. Um, which, you know, since you brought that up, Jay, what was your first introduction to the X-Men? Oh, my goodness. Uh, my first introduction to the X-Men, I think I would always just see pictures of Wolverine because he's he's a very popular character. And uh, I think the only time when I really started to actually have an interest as to what the X-Men was, was around the time when I think Wolverine itself, the movie, was becoming a bit popular at that point. And when I started talking with you is when uh, I got to know more about the X-Men. I think there might have been a time like once or twice I had heard, heard it, but it was really uh, later on. Uh, when I was like in high school and stuff uh, and that was with the movies. And then you had shown me like a couple of the comics and then whatever Mar uh, Fox's Marvel has been. Cause uh, I went and saw like new mutants during COVID at a drive-in cause just cause I, I was really excited for how bad that movie was going to be really boring movie. I've done that twice now. I've done that with that and Morbius anyway. Mutant so stuff. I see Morbius. Don't just don't. Um, but it wasn't until that point when X Men became anything really in my life. What was your first impression? You know, um, I liked X Men for like a long ass time. Mm. Um, like I've liked X Men, especially when I was a kid. My cousin had like the '90s X Men show on like uh, VHS tapes. I'd watch them. I would like not know what the fuck was happening because that was like the, that show had like a continuous plot thread, which cool fact that was one of the first animated shows that wasn't like a syndicated serialized show. It actually had long plot threads. Usually animated shows, they didn't really give a fuck about that. They had to just be serialized so they can get syndication money. But with that show, they just didn't really bother to do that. They wanted to do something different. But, you know, I I liked them, like, after that. And then I remember vividly going into the movies to see X2. Uh, went to the drive-in while I was a kid to see it. Uh, it came out in 2003. Um, and I don't know. Uh, another thing is that, like, I think in the black community, a lot of black people just love the X-Men for a couple of reasons. Maybe it's because of the allegory. Maybe it's also because of fucking Storm. Or maybe it's just because X-Men are cool. Maybe it's just that. Um, but... Yeah, that would be my time with them. I'd also say uh, X-Men Evolution as well. Love that show. You do like that show. You just yeah. had me uh, watch that recently, uh, an episode or two, and I and I thought it was okay. Uh, it's, it's not been one of my favorite things that you've recommended. But the yeah, X-Men... It, it was pretty good. X-Men can be kind of hit or miss for me for certain things. I really enjoy when they're... Uh, I, I enjoy their comic books, at least the ones that I've read so far, and I guess I can say that there's a couple of movies that I enjoy here and there. I guess like Logan, but everyone really enjoys Logan. But Man, uh, I, besides, I remember when we went to go see Logan, that shit was just sad. Holy shit. We remember, you went to see, see that Logan. in high school. Remember that was that? wild. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. What a different time. We went and saw oh that the MJR. Yeah. That was wild, dude. That was an awesome movie. And then... uh. I think it was around that Christmas time because everyone knew I was uh, more of like a movie person and going into like film and everything. Everyone knew that that movie was like 
that like not only really popular but it was also like a big hit marvel movie so everyone was into it ended up with like five different copies of that movie around that christmas i ended up with so many copies of logan oh my gosh by the time it was like out on blu-ray and stuff a couple digitals and a couple of the noirs like everyone (laughs) everyone just thought it was like the go-to gift uh if anyone really wants a copy of logan i guess just hit me up because i i'm i'm really chock full of them right now oh soups you guys want to give away who wants to win a copy of logan (laughs) who wants some random blu-ray of logan uh, that may or may not have a usable digital code. I cannot promise that they work. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Can you tell us, Damon, how we rank the media here on the show? Well, we rank it by its story and the impact it's had on the character or the comic book world and individuals. All this will help us figure out if it'll stand the test of time. With that out of the way, let's dive in. I remember specifically this comic in high school at our local library by the high school. Yes. And I didn't care for the cover very much then, really? but it's grown on me now. Yeah. I, I've I've learned to like it a bit more. I think just because now I, I, I've come to appreciate the art and uh, the particular style that this comic has. You know, it's wild that you mentioned that because the cover is like it's fucking New York and like almost photography, streetlights behind Wolverine as he's running down the street. It's weird. It's very early 2000s. Um, But it's interesting because Ultimate Spider-Man did covers like that, too. And like early 2000s Marvel was a time because there was such a huge push for the Ultimate Universe, so much so that all the regular merch for 616 like the main Marvel Universe, showed all of them inside of their Ultimate Comics costumes because it was the modern thing. Uh, They just pushed it, like, all the fucking time, and I fucking loved it. Like, honestly, I remember having a fucking Ultimate Spider-Man watch and Ultimate Spider-Man stuff, even the fucking video game, which is an underrated Spider-Man game. And uh, I know that um, the X-Men in the early 2000s had two video games, and in those games, they had the Ultimate X-Men costumes. Oh, yeah, I've heard about that. That is really sick. Yeah. Um, It was just a time. Honestly, the Ultimate Universe was like a trendsetter for so many different things. Uh, So much so that like the early phase of the MCU like took heavily from the Ultimate comics. Especially in like the look, I would say. Like in the looks and the feels, they kind of took that from the, the Ultimate comics. I can totally agree with that. Now, I have a question for you really quick, Damon. Before we uh, again, before we get into this, do you have a favorite X Men, and besides Storm, uh, or Wolverine? I would say my favorite is Cyclops. And is Cyclops your favorite in the Ultimate Universe as well? No. Okay, who is your favorite Ultimate X Men? See, that is a wonky question because honestly i haven't read the entirety of the ultimate x-men universe um stuff i've read a lot of ultimate spider-man um i read a lot of the ultimate fantastic four stuff and then even the ultimates but ultimate x-men was one of those things where i was like a little touchy on it Mm -hmm. um i read the first story arc no first two story arcs of ultimate x-men i primarily jumped on it because one of my like friends um his name's drew hey drew uh die hard x-men fan die hard and he was telling me about the ultimate stuff, said how like it was pretty interesting. He loves his like original Claremont stuff, 
But the Ultimate stuff always felt like something that was really interesting to hop on. I don't know. I think what really took me out of the Ultimate stuff is how dark it is, opposed to the main universe and how like some of the characters just feel weird. Um, but I, maybe that's its charm. So I don't know. Um, but who is your favorite X Man though? Uh, in Ultimate X Men or in general? In general. Uh, see, I don't know a whole lot of X Men very well. Mm. The one that comes to mind is uh, an X Men from the movies that blinks and changes channels on the television. I feel as though that's an underrated hit. Um, that is not a character in the comics. The Juggernaut bitch. That's a really good one. I also appreciate the Juggernaut and every iteration that I've seen him in. Um, I, I guess not in X-Men. Has there ever been a time that the Juggernaut has been an honorary X-Men? Like there's been like how Catwoman has been an honorary Justice League member? No, there no. is not. There is not been. Why not? Because that could be an interesting story. Because uh, he's an asshole and then he hates Professor X because that was his stepbrother. Cool. And there was like a comic when Thanos got robbed in uh, Central Park. When he got robbed in Central Park. You mean to tell me they can't do one where... The Juggernaut is an X-Men for like a week. Hey, hey, he, he likes doing evil shit. He doesn't really give a fuck. I, I understand that he is indeed the Juggernaut bitch and that he uh, is a bad guy, but it could be interesting of a dynamic. I'm just saying doesn't have to be 616. Maybe, um, I don't know what's happening on 548. It's 548 Earth 548 or whatever. The Marvel I comic don't know universe what Earth that is it probably is I don't fucking know <laughs> exactly that one can have Juggernaut as an X Men unless someone can prove me wrong which I doubt anyone will okay so let's dive into our summary guys all right so Ultimate X Men is a 2001 superhero comic book series a part of the Ultimate Marvel universe uh, it is the second book in the Ultimate universe. So, first was Spider-Man, this was the second one, I believe the third one was Fantastic Four, and I'm not sure. That would uh, check out, based yeah. off the other ones. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure M Millar did this one first, and then he opted on to Ultimates after the, the success of this one. So, uh, alright, so, it is the second book in the Ultimate Universe. Ultimate X-Men reintroduces the X-Men to a modern and realistic world where mutants are deemed terrorists. Despite being feared and distrusted by the general public and authorities, they use their superpowers to prevent and stop unnatural threats to both human and the mutant race. Written by Mark Millar and art by Adam Hubert. All right, so a couple of cool things before we hop into those play-by-play um, -play of this entire story. Uh, when Millar was tasked with doing this book, he initially didn't want to do it. Uh, Marvel actually approached him after his success with the authority at DC Comics. Uh, so they approached him for it. Oh, actually, they approached him for it after Bendis said he was too busy with Spider-Man and some other shit. So they went to him. He said no. And his reasoning for not wanting to do it is because he only read three X-Men comics. So he, he, he just wasn't really... He, he didn't know the material very well enough to make an interpretation, you think? Exactly. Um, he said that he didn't even read any comics. He read maybe three X-Men comics growing up. Um, three of which were all Chris Claremont's. And uh, he basically was telling him, I don't think I should do it. And the editors of Marvel at the time, they really wanted to work with him. So they told him, just go see the movie. 
and you'll get a better just, understanding. Just fucking do it anyway. We're not. <laughs> this isn't an option here. We're <laughs> you're doing this, and here are some things that we can suggest. Man. So he went to go see the movie, and he was like, okay, I guess I'll write this pitch. And he wrote the pitch. He thought it was going to be ass, and they are going to say no. But then when he wrote the pitch, they read it, and they were like, okay, cool. Yeah, you're hired. And he was like, what the fuck, really? (laughs) And apparently, um, Phil Jimenez and uh, Joe Quesada told him, well, actually, you'd be we want to work with you because it feels as though that like you would have an interesting take on these characters since you don't really know the characters that well. So you're going to be able to give them a different like look at them from a different way i guess you know which i can kind of understand that but honestly that was a fucking gamble i'm assuming uh that Uh, totally totally mm -hmm, like a total gamble um but the book went on to win an eisner for its writing and uh it went all the way into 2006 oh wow that's that's one hell of a run uh yeah what month did this comic come out exactly do you recall um I don't recall. I think it was probably June, if I'm not mistaken, but I could be wrong. I'm going to look right now. February 1st, 2001. Over 20 years ago now. That is insane to think about. Holy shit. Now that is wild. Uh, You know, but honestly, from this first, um, well, from what I know about the first story arc, I think the first story arc is is solid. But this first issue, we'll get into it, though. What was your like general thoughts on this? My overall consensus is that I thought that this comic was totally fine. And it feels like a really basic and, and, and simple run-of-the-mill X-Men story. It felt as though that a lot of it had a, a similar flavor to what the film provides. So a lot of it didn't feel unique necessarily to this piece of media. Ultimate X-Men after this issue like you said, goes on for five years, it becomes a crazy hit for a while, as does the rest of the Ultimate Universe. Ultimate Universe lost steam after Ultimatum, which was like this giant wave. Um, So after the events of Ultimates Volume 3, where Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver have this weird incestuous relationship, um, and Ultron kills Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, uh magneto gets angry and he uses his powers to move the tectonic plates which then cause a massive wave to wipe out a good chunk of um, new york a lot of heroes in the ultimate universe died just from that wave alone uh and a lot of weird grotesque shit happened like for example uh the blob in the ultimate universe he is apparently cannibalistic so he eats the wasp while she's knocked out um, giant man fucking has a breakdown, chomps off his head. Uh, Doctor Strange dies uh, from fucking Dormammu, and it's it's just it's wild. It's some fuck shit. Uh, in 2012 is when they finally killed Peter Parker and introduced Miles Morales. Then after that, it was like Miles was the primary book people were reading. The other books, they were still pretty hit or miss, still pretty good, but it was just losing traction all the way until uh, Secret Wars. That, but one thing I can say for the Ultimate Universe is that it is definitely a, a comic series altogether, X-Men included, that is not afraid to kill off characters and not afraid to show violence. Uh, especially here at the beginning of this comic, uh, when we see that a kid with mutant genes is crushed by a sentinel that just pops on by. 
Oh uh, gosh. And it is like it's very chilling that the story I had to just do a double take. Up. Yeah, right? Like yeah. it was so wild. It kind of made me think of the Black Panther uh episode when like just straight out of out of the bat Wakanda, you know, we get to see the 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 offensive use of Wakanda against the the rival tribe and all the bloodshed and and all the I can't remember was it arrows? Yeah, no, it was spears. Spears, thank you. Mm-hmm. And all the spears, and the, like fucking trap too, like snapped on them and shit. Yeah, and uh, the fact too that it was a kid, and I thought that that was really crazy. I, I thought straight away too, because uh, there is a word bubble. I didn't write what the narration was at the beginning of the story. Did you write it down at all? I did, and actually, I wanted to mention it because like the yeah. book opened up with sometimes it's dangerous to be a little different. And, you know, we see the Sentinels flying and shit. And then I think the more fucked up part was that he wasn't just, like, killed and shot with the beam. No, like, the Sentinels were flying by and they shoot him with their little laser. And he looks like he's, like, unconscious and, like, fucking tore up a little bit. And he has, like, burns on him. But he's still alive. And then the Sentinel comes down and then steps on him. That's even more fucked up. Oh, my God. I was taken aback by that, especially because it was uh, during the day in L.A. and there was a lot of people just around watching this happen. Um, I, I got to admit, I liked how this book was like really good at just giving this exposition. And it's interesting because this book came out. Um, oh, I can't even say this book came out in a post 9-11 world because it came out before 9-11. Because um, I was going to mention that because it was interesting that he brought up how the mutants are seen as terrorists as we move forward. Um, but you know, the kid then dies, um, and we then get this whole like page of like news reels, which I got to admit, I feel like this like comic itself was kind of cinematic. Like I could see this being like a, a pilot episode to a show. Oh yeah, totally. This, this had the pacing of, of a film or, or even just like a, a simple 30 minute block television series. Yeah. Uh, later down, I had it written, but I guess I can bring it up now because it, it was mirroring a, a similar uh, point later on in the comic. Uh, it's just when these particular panels like this, where they become more like uh, sketchy and more yeah. detailed, it becomes a completely different art style from a, a bit more uh, simplistic uh, style by comparison that's within the comic. I mean, th- there's a lot of detail but it's a a definite contrast i guess i can say uh and it really made me kind of think for some reason i would love to have seen this as kind of like a teen titans art style of of show or whatever in real life or or just a recreation of this apart from because i know that it has you you had just said it earlier what was the name of it again the show x-men evolution that's it yes uh i know that they had that around this time in the in the early 2000s uh early mid 2000s uh but i would have loved to have seen something closer to this have come out just just because of points like this the way how it was just written yeah like it it feels like a product of its time but like not in a dated type of sense more it's more in a good way i would say because i've been putting notes about how the dialogue is very snappy especially because like the x-men they're not adults in this one they're all teenagers you know it's indicative of like when they first appeared in the 60s the x-men were teenagers Jean gray um cyclops beast um iceman and angel they all were teenagers when they first appeared and everything 
Um, actually, they were the same age as Spider Man, which I always thought was fucking wild to me that the X Men are supposed to be the same age as Spider Man. Oh wow, which, that uh, is wild. Yeah, in the main universe, they're supposed to be the same age as him. The only one who's older is Wolverine, obviously, but like the main like five, they're supposed to be the same age as him because they graduated high school at the same time Peter graduated high school in the sixties. Um, and then of course they they do the teenage uh, angle again for the films. I don't know if they do it again for the comics afterward, but uh, I mean, in the films yeah. with like first class and stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, it was just interesting seeing like, like this news footage in, in the same way that you were saying about the whole like, like the news footage. The page is drawn in like this sketchy, dream-like type of look, but it also looks very real. We're getting all this exposition. The expo- it's it doesn't even feel forced. Um, I kind of also wrote that it gave off Frank Miller vibes because you know, like in Dark Knight Returns, we had those newscasts in between. That gave us all this information about the world that we're in. But, you know, the news footage then claims that the mutants um, are terrorists. And they kind of stretch the truth and say that the Sentinel found a mutant's nest and killed numerous mutants. No casualties. Even though, as the reader, we know that the mutant didn't find a nest. It was just the Sentinel didn't find a nest. It was just a mutant or whatever that he killed. It's just fucked up. Uh, We then learn that, like, the reason why the sentinels are allowed to do this and the reason why the humans are very cavalier about mutants is because there's a terrorist organization which is the brotherhood of mutants which is magneto's team um which i found was really interesting because like i like that in millar's um book he just was like okay magneto's not going to name his his brotherhood brotherhood of evil mutants they're just going to be called the brotherhood of mutants <laughs> that was always weird to me because why the fuck would magneto say evil mutants is that what it is usually yeah that's fucking stupid <laughs> that is hey. kind of ridiculous i i want to say here too though for a re-debut in this like rebooted ultimate universe the first time represented magneto is really terrifying and and mm. kind of gives me doctor doom vibes i kind of forget just how powerful uh, of a level magneto is as as a character outside of say like the fox films because that's really all the media that we've gotten at very much in like the public eye is with mm. the the films right um so for me seeing him in in the comics at, at his truest form and what the character you know where he's from and seeing him in the this re-debuting of him uh was really fun and he was just drawn really badass for for his introduction here really scary really chilling and uh gives you an idea of how exactly the media wants to have these mutants perceived in order to have them allow these giant kaiju-esque mechs just come in and crush children and uh, not bat an eye and be okay with the government doing this. Because again, it's all the government willing to to do these things, uh, mm-hmm. which is such a wild choice uh, to make. Yeah. I think they did it because uh, Magneto bombed the Capitol steps. Oh, that's right. Yes. Yeah, yes, he does. They said he bombed the Capitol steps. Uh, and I also have down the name of the designer here, Boulevard Trask. Uh, yes. I wrote down that it's probably an important name later on in the comics. Uh, 
because he's brought up so early on here. He's not brought up again later on in this comic. Uh, but he does say that he believes that within the next two months, all mutants within the United States should be detained. Which means fucking stomped. Like it's not like it's 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 so much of a secret what you're doing to these guys. Uh, so the fact that he's also willing to use this particular type of language uh, to talk about his design and his creation, I, I thought kind of made him kind of a bitch. I'm not gonna lie, <laughs> it it does. It really does. The the way how the TV how uh, the news broadcasts it, the way how uh they i mean magneto doesn't help very much either uh, in this situation uh, i i'm curious how far they get into what gets us to this particular point later on in in further issues but within this particular one that's about as much as we get as as an idea of what the tone is here within new york and really just overall the world with mutants anti mutants and also a lot of uh pro mutant groups starting to try to yeah. come up and rise up there's a whole lot of uh of tension right now because of these uh sentinels and and this particular climate within it feels very tense throughout the entire book which i liked about that i liked like the vibes that we were getting like it was like bang 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 this is the world that we're in people are scared and we don't really know what the fuck mutants are and they just bombed a uh, capital steps and this one mutant took over the airwaves and so mutants are an enemy number one and you know something that i think was really an interesting choice on millar is that like uh in this book he made magneto more of like an evil person like magneto is just flat out evil like this man is fucking sadistic in this book and uh, even in this first issue i think later on in the story we get more in depth with it but in this one, he seems a lot more cold and callous, which, yeah, arguably he is when it comes to humans. But there was always a morally gray area, even in the movies and even in the um, in the comics as well, too. Uh, yeah, uh, just a really intimidating character. Uh, it kind of gave me Doctor Doom vibes, like I had said before. Uh, gave me Darth Vader vibes, to to add an even further ex example. And uh, he doesn't appear very much within the comic later down i i put down that if anything he's kind of gaudy and uh he's he's very much uh maniacal uh, yeah. i i like him for the kind of villain that is needed for this story he feels like a very prominent threat and also one that's interesting to read about and interesting to see what he's plotting where he's going to test our heroes further within the story. Uh, I think of just a really great first impression with him overall in this issue. So after the news footage goes off, we didn't have like a mini little time jump or whatever. Uh, we're in San Diego and we meet Hank McCoy, also known as Beast. He's not the blue furball that we usually know. This is like his pre-blue form. So he's at the bar, uh, just having a drink, which I'm a little confused. They're supposed to be teenagers, so... How is he allowed to be at the bar? I have no clue. To be honest with you, uh, I had no I had no idea that he, in particular, was also supposed to be a teenager. And, and to even be more honest with you, I talked about it with you off the show, but I thought this was even Wolverine. I didn't even think this was Beast. With the big hands and the big feet. The big-ass feet. There's even someone 
uh in this point that's trying to like uh talk to beast and like talk shit about him and and uh about him being a mutant and beast being like i'm not a mutant he's like uh you gotta be a mutant look at your gorilla sized feet (laughs) (laughs) disrespectful ass Oh, yeah, he's fucking bald, looks like a fucking skinhead and shit, and it was just, I was like, okay, all right, and it's even funnier, because, like, Beast is just, he just looks so unbothered, like, he's like, ah, oh, shit, okay. Straight chilling. Yeah, just straight chill. The dude then, like, grabs a pole cue and then tries to hit him, Beast does this, like, fucking, like, backflip shit, and uh, he then, like, kicks the guy down, and at that moment, I wrote down that the art is just very dynamic and very fluid, I love Adam Kubert's uh, stuff, which honestly, Jay, you've read an Adam Kubert comic that I like gave to you before, the Spider-Man Wolverine book. He does a fantastic job. What other stuff has he worked on, Damon? Oh, God, he's worked on so many different things, especially with Marvel. Um, I know that him and his brother and his whole entire family, they've done art for like a long-ass time. They even have an art school in New York. Is there any particular comics that you like of his work or any particular... Uh, series or comic book characters that you have enjoyed seeing in his work? I've loved the way he's drawn Spider-Man. I can't really think of a lot of other things at the moment. I know he's done a shit ton of things, but at the top of my... Oh, wait, no. I love his Superman as well, too. Um, I also could have sworn he's done Justice League before as well, too. Um, Honestly, I'd have to come back and answer that question because I can't think of a lot of other things, but I know he's done a shit ton of stuff been all over the map really really prominent within the comic book world yes so beasts kicks the guy down and then he's just getting back to the bar he gets to the bar and he's meet with a shotgun in the face uh the owner is threatening to shoot him and like i was talking about earlier the dialogue is so damn snappy uh the guy is telling him to leave and beast is like fine you know what i guess i'll leave and i was taken aback when beast then mutters to himself that he only leaves with his dignity because he didn't flush the toilet in the bathroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What? Listen, though, I just just left a fat shit in the toilet, and Mama will leave that for you guys anyway. So I don't care. Thought that was wild. Man, it was wild. He then goes outside, and then he sees Jean Grey, uh, and she basically recruits him. And you know, at this point, I was looking at Jean, and I'm like, wow, I like the way that Jean Grey is designed. Uh, she has short hair, um, very early two thousands. Uh, piercings, all the stuff. Just, it's a cool design. I'd say showing a lot of belly button, but I, hey, here for it. I had no clue it was Jean Grey at first because they don't uh, say her name in the comic until a little bit later. Uh, I really liked her design, but there's a couple of panels here that I didn't care for uh, just for how they made Beast look. At one point, he kind of just looked more like uh, like Ben 10's grandpa. He didn't look oh. very much like Beast. It's true, because ta- here's the thing. Life. Okay, we didn't we didn't talk about this, but Beast is here. He is uh, really, again, imagine this really wide guy, uh, big brooding shoulders, all right? He's got He's a ponytail. Bright red bandana. Uh, blue, bluish hair, right? For the ponytail, was it black? Blackish, it's bluish, black. black. Uh, Hawaiian shirt, open button Hawaiian shirt. Uh, I forgot about that. Black tank top or just undershirt underneath. Tiny blue sunglasses. Uh, he's got the green cargo shorts. He's ready for vacation. You know, this guy looks like he just hopped off the airport. <laughs> uh, 
and so at this point yeah it kind of looks a little bit like ben 10 and a little bit of the in the art here but i, I love the presentation here of jean gray especially uh when they display her power here from this point on and we are introduced to another character uh before yeah. but first uh we see that jean gray is talking to a police guard uh security guard or yeah no security uh police officer officer yeah could not think of the word holy shit uh, <laughs> we see jean gray is talking to a police officer about wanting to talk to one of the inmates that they have currently uh in holding and uh he she shows off this fbi card which i thought was really cool that it was a uh, blockbuster it was card. actually a blockbuster card made to look <laughs> like an fbi card i thought that was awesome well she's also using her uh manipulation powers whatever her particular i don't know what is the name uh, of gene gray's power telepathy like thank re, you re, do, do mind shit and then also move stuff with her mind as well too and kind of like pseudo hypnotize right because that's what she does in yeah. this situation or or like manipulate thoughts or, or whatever um i thought that that her presentation into the comic was really cool the way how the, how they're getting the group together this way yeah. i did not see coming uh, when I started the book, you know, uh, it, it, it stays very quick in its in its pace to get us to the story just because there is a lot of characters here. Because now we have to think we've met the Sentinels, we've met Magneto, Beast and now Jean Grey. Right. So mm -hmm. we, we've been all over the map. It, the pacing is really good. Like, uh, you know, we do get a lot of information, but it's subtly woven in there. Even her conversation with the cop. We get a little bit of exposition. We hear him talk about how Storm is a mutant, how she used electricity to do this, and how she stole a Mustang. That's why she's there. Just subtle stuff. Um, another thing I put in my notes, because I was very curious when I was like just looking at the panels, I was like, how old is Jean supposed to be? Jean is 19 years old. Um, I think later on, Hank is described to be 18 or 19 as well um but now that i think about it but i don't fucking know i know that like cyclops i think is probably 20. are there any adults that are part of the x-men besides professor xavier how old is professor xavier in that not to not to get too carried away in his like 50s i want to say maybe 50s in his 50s. 50s yeah i just think it's kind of it's kind of i don't know i think it's funny we'll talk about it when we get a little closer to professor x but yeah. uh, just but when you brought that up there, that's funny. Uh, and so anyway, they we, this we meet is, Storm. We meet. Yeah, this is her introduction yeah. to Storm. I love her design. I like how he draws her hair with texture instead of it just being white hair. I mean, just uh, straight hair. But the texture makes it looks like she has like a cloud for hair. And it's, yeah, it's I love yeah. it. Love it. She, she honestly has, I think, my favorite design out of the whole team before mm -hmm. before latex x-men black suit uh I, I really love how she looks here in these beginning yeah. panels when we are introduced to her and then we go to someplace else we go to fucking new york and we meet colossus so colossus is basically just the strong arm of the russian mafia uh he's doing a deal with this guy named ahmed uh and he's doing a deal but then he gets set up and he gets gunned down once yeah. he gets gunned down, his like metal form is revealed, and like I said, like I love the fucking art. I just love, just loved it. It looked great. Yeah, I, I, I really like this reveal 
uh, originally I had no idea what the whole point of us being in this particular location was. I really had no idea who exactly we would be introduced to or if we were still even going to continue to introduce new characters to the comic. We're introduced to Ahmed, who is, uh, I believe, of, of Middle Eastern or Arabic descent, uh, but he seems like a gang leader or a mafia guy. They're here for a mafia deal. And Colossus, I don't know who he's with. I don't know if we ever learn later on in the comic. He gives these guys a suitcase and they realize that things are a little like sus. And it leads into this giant trap with a helicopter by by their mafia group. I was like, holy shit. Honestly, I was just here for the ride. I was just here for the ride. I was, I, <laughs> no, I really dug it. Like, I think I would say that I was taken aback when the helicopter just came out. Like, I could literally see this happening in like a whole ass action movie where the helicopter comes out of nowhere and just guns starts to blazing and everything. Um, I would say I was mostly surprised at the aftermath of the shooting, because once the shooting happens, like Colossus has like his whole steel form and shit and we see him crying and like there's so many subtle changes that Millard does to these characters um, within this universe. But one of the things that I always found good that he kept was that like Colossus was always like the bruiser when it comes to the fighting, but he also was very sensitive and very like calm. And um, it was nice to see him keep that. Uh, a little cool fact for you, Jay. I think later on in the Ultimate Comics, it's revealed that uh, Colossus is gay. No kidding. That's really yeah. cool. Which was like a huge departure from the main 616 universe because he has this relationship with Kitty Pride and all this stuff. No, mm -hmm. I, I've really enjoyed Colossus and what little iterations I have been able to to have in, uh, had seen and experienced. Uh, and and this particular time in the comic was no different. The, that reveal uh, with his suit all torn up with his metal finish and the teardrops coming down, I thought was really cool. Another uh, cool thing that I learned when I was looking into this is that Millar also wanted to, like, not do any magical shit. Like, he wanted to keep it very, very grounded. Because X-Men... The X-Men have been to space. They have a whole saga against a whole fucking alien team. <laughs> like, fucking... Also, Storm's powers isn't just mutant powers. It's magic as well, too. Just a lot of different shit. So, you know... Yeah, no, nah, yeah, I think this is like just a little piece just to get us to where he wants us to go. Um, which there's nothing wrong with that. So Colossus then is start, starts crying and Jean comes out of nowhere and she's like, I know what you're thinking, Colossus. Well, no, Peter. Uh, I know what you're thinking. Um, he's thinking that he's going to be alone and Jean says, no, you're not going to be alone. Welcome to the X-Men. And I'm just like, damn this is happening really quick she's not giving them any choice at all she's just saying come with me you're joining the x-men come with me you're joining the x-men and i'm like okay then the next page we're at the fucking mansion it's a whole splash page everybody's in costume and i'm like oh so we're, we're here just, we're we're here we're, we're here this is the x-men everybody we are here and they're in black and yellow costumes uh black and yellow costumes gene and storm have like a midriff top on um, I will say everyone has like a costume that looks like slightly different. They're very similar, but slightly different. And personally, I feel like this is a good middle ground from the movies to comic book suits. Um, 
because they still have a lot of prominent yellow and I could still tell this is the X-Men whereas in the movies it was like just all black with like really thin trimming of different colors it still felt closer to the film that I thought a bit more black than uh, I would have liked mm-hmm. uh, one thing too that I thought was kind of bizarre was the fact that they were already in the the costumes thank god yeah. that they were already tailor made and waiting for them I guess at the school I suppose no, the thing that really like fucking blew my fucking mind was the fucking fact that they're not leather; they're fucking latex. And I'm like, oh, that's oh, so weird. That is extremely. That weird. is very weird. That is so weird. So you know, we see the fucking we see the fucking suits. Cool. Then we meet Cyclops, and he then is going through all of their code names. At this point, I write in my notes, and I'm like, if I was just recruited to be on this team, and they give me a latex suit to wear, and then they ha- tell me to go by another name. Red flags would be ringing in my damn head. This is a fucking cult, okay? Why are we going up to this strange school owned by a 50-year-old man in the woods and being told to wear latex costumes and can only go by our code names from this point onward when we enter the building? (laughs) Seriously. Like, at that point, I was like, what? And the only one who is calling this shit out for being weird is Storm. She's like, wait, what? (laughs) Storm is the queen of calling shit out through this entire book. And I'm here for it. I love it. I'm also here um, for it. You know who takes man. the creepy factor, though? Who? Professor Xavier. Professor oh, Xavier is the creepiest motherfucker. Straight Listen, from his we'll get there. We are get, we'll get there. I just got one more thing to mention. Because, yeah. okay, so li- like we were saying, soups, the suits are made out of latex, not leather. And we learn this because Beast is talking about how, wow, you guys gave us some random latex suits. What's What's that for? And Cyclops tells us that the latex is actually a suit that cloaks them from the Sentinels. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Then in my notes, I'm like, well, wait, if, if the suits cloak everybody from there, what about Jean and Storm? Because they're showing a lot of skin. Like, they have, like, the, you know, midriff, but they also have cutouts on their thighs. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, well, wait, the other suits are, like, almost full body. So how is that going to – I'm confused. What, I, how does that I just work? think Professor Xavier is a fucking creep. I think oh, I don't oh, that think makes they it even weirder. nothing because here's the thing. right? That makes it even weirder. Well, here's the other thing, too. Uh, not to go too far ahead, but we see Sentinels again in this comic and they're still in the suits. I mean, granted, they're using their powers. They're using their powers. H- however, comma, there's a lot of Sentinels here all of a sudden. I don't think these suits do shit. I, I have no clue. Maybe. <laughs> I, but yeah, I've yet to see any any full evidence on that yet. Well, you know what, Jay? It's funny you mentioned that because in the main 616 universe, Professor X is a dick. Like, there's so many questionable things that man has done. And the movies have done a good job of making him seem like a better person. So they're walking through. They're walking down the hallway. They notice that there are some painters. And at first, they're a little weirded out. And they're saying, well, wait, what, what, wouldn't these painters like get scared if they knew that this was like a mutant's hideout spot? They ask this question. And then they hear a strange man's voice in their head who says that, actually, I hypnotized them or whatever. And they're, they don't really see us. And all the other types of stuff. Yeah, these guys won't notice shit. You can, <laughs> you can throw a block at their head and they wouldn't notice. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. So they open the door at the end of the hall. It's Professor Xavier. Woo. So he introduces himself. And, you know, um, Beast and Professor Xavier are starting to have a conversation. Storm then interrupts the conversation. And she then says, and I quote, you know, what's fascinating is that two grown men are are answering to the names Colossus 
and Beast. She basically says, what's the point of having these nicknames? And Professor X responds and says, "This is these are not nicknames, but a, but a baptism of a post-human being life. What? That's some cult shit right there. It's kind of culty. Very culty. Very. Um, you know, so Professor X goes on and on and on, and this is where we get a lot of exposition. He then tells the crew about him and Magneto's past. He said that they basically were brothers at some point, very close. They even built a home they in lived the Savage on a, Land. lived on an island that had dinosaurs somehow. We have dinosaurs. They're, uh, maybe they're mutants, but at the very least, they are fucking dinosaurs. <laughs> the, the Savage Land is a place in the 616 universe, too, and there's also dinosaurs. Why is there just dinosaurs? Well, apparently the Savage Land is like a Swatcha area that like wasn't touched by like the thing that made all the dinosaurs extinct. A meteor? Yeah. Then get hit by the meteor that ex- the entire that engulfed the entire earth. The comics, Jay. Yeah, I know. I just I just like the idea in the comic six one six universe that engulfed everything. This little one spot, a couple pterodactyls and the stegosaurus, you guys are chill. Yeah, they're chill. <laughs> and and you're gonna be ran by a couple of bald British dudes. They're and gonna... then the Savage Land goes with the X Men like bread and butter. Uh, they even have like this fucking pterodactyl mutant man thing called Sauron. That's a Lord of the Rings character. You cannot convince me that that <laughs> is a dinosaur in the X Men. It is. He even has a Marvel figure, a Marvel Legends figure. No fucking way. Yes, fucking way. That is so crazy. <laughs> and yet, I have no Howard the Duck figure. They do have Howard the Duck figures. Uh, from the Marvel Legends. They do. They had a couple. They I've a couple. never seen these. Well, you know what? You just don't pay attention to them. Okay. Well, here, get me off Howard the Duck before I get off this bio. Continue. So, so <laughs> we're on. We're on. Oh my God! There he is. We're on Pirate Island. He has a new one, like a new one in the new uh, what boxes. Yeah. 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 That's so sick. Like, this just came out. That's Wait, he's we in What If? The... Yeah, yeah, he was in What If. What was he in What If? He, wasn't he, he just was, like He was there? in an episode. He was just yeah, there. He was in a... No, uh, uh, Seth Green voiced him. Seth Green is Howard Yeah, he's the, he's the voice. He was even in the Guardians movie when he had the little after credits. Oh, really? That was Seth Green, too? I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, Seth Green. That's yeah. cool. That's cool. We we were yeah. this close we're keeping to having, this in the episode. We were this close to having Kevin Smith, and you chose Seth Green. What Kevin Smith almost did it. He was going to be. Do you remember? I think I'm the only one who watched it. I swear, when it came out, it was Patton Oswalt's Modoc series. What I still believe is Marvel's only successful time showing Modoc, and it was also a really terrible show. <laughs> Uh, do you remember Hulu's Modoc? Yeah, I remember that shit. Well, that was supposed to be the kickoff to this extended anti-Avengers, the Unavengers, that also consisted of, I forget one of the characters' names, but two of them would have also been Hitmonkey and Howard the Duck. And they had filmed at least an episode of Kevin Smith, who had been asked to be the character. And of course he said yes, because it's Kevin Smith. It's fucking Howard the Duck. How could you not? But then Modoc did not do very well. And then Damn. they decided to do Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantum Mania. And they were like, oh, 
So now we have an MCU official MODOK. So we do not want to continue our Hulu relationship with MODOK. So that series ended on a huge cliffhanger in season one, and we will never see how that show ends. And it's okay because no one gives a shit. But I watched it. I I saw that ending. I wanted. Meanwhile, to Hitmonkey got a season two. I didn't even watch Hitmonkey. I didn't even think that that made it out. Did that actually make it out? Yeah, I got a season two. It, I mean, is it out? I think it might be out. Okay, no, it has. It is still ongoing apparently, but it has only had ten episodes in two thousand twenty-one. I don't think Hitmonkey's oh. coming back. Who knows? Uh, Magneto is the reason that Professor X is handicapped from the waist down. Okay, so we're learning all this shit. And then Colossus then asks him, well, how did you find us? And Professor X is like, well, my good friend, Cerebro. He then pulls down the Cerebro machine, and then we see him in Cerebro. And he then is looking for Bobby Drake, also known as Iceman, who is 15 yeah. years old. It, it turns out that just right around the time when... Our X-Men team comes along and introduces themselves to good old Professor X that he was also trying to find a couple other mutants because that's what he's trying to do is save as many people as he can before the Sentinels or Magneto, whichever comes first. Uh, and yeah, he's found this kid named Bobby Drake. He has a power, some mutant power. He's not aware of it yet. They don't know exactly what the power is. But he is hanging out in Times Square. And I know that because we move on from here to the team going to Times Square. And there's a giant Mr. Peanut sign that says uh, Times Square needed new nuts. <laughs> I don't remember seeing that. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Oh, my gosh. No, Clear you know, what, what really stuck out for me, though, is that, like, the entire time, Storm is just annoyed. And Storm then is, like, walking with Jean. And she puts on her communicator and says to Cyclops, uh, she basically says, why am I down in Times Square dressed like an action figure? Basically asking, like, why am I here? And then Cyclops is, like, not having any time for this. Uh, she says, and I quote, because I have the full thing here, Damon, uh, I must be out of my mind. It's a Saturday night, and I'm dressed like an action figure and prowling along the streets for some zit-faced teenager. I thought she was awesome. What a fucking... Oh, my goodness. Man. Eat it up, The honey. reason why she said the action figure thing is because they're finally in leather now. They have these cool fucking biker jackets. Now, those jackets look exactly like the one from the movies, though. Like, dead ass. Only difference is they have, like, the red and black X on them on the shoulder. But that's it. They look like the fucking movie suit jackets or whatever. Uh, so they're walking around and shit. This is, at this point, I wrote down, like, the dialogue is very snappy. Like, it has that, like, early 2000s, 90s teen writing that I'll... I, honestly... I personally like uh, very snappy dialogue. No, I'm in love with this kind of dialogue. This is the kind of writing that I live for. Yeah, me too. <clears throat> so they end, end, end up finding Bobby. Actually, no, Beast's, Beast finds uh, Bobby on the bus. And Beast does some like, flippy gymnastic shit and then crashes into the bus and saves Bobby as the Sentinels arrive. So everyone then gets in their battle formations. And I'm like, wait a second. They're just, just going to fight like that? They they literally just met about like an hour ago. What the fuck? We don't have okay. enough time, Damon. There's like eight pages left to this comic. We need to move on. It's the way that you literally write. It was about eight pages after that. People need to buy issue number two. We need to move on. 
Okay, and and, and uh, Cyclops understands this too. Uh, as he's talking to uh, Beast and Storm and uh, I'm forgetting one here. Where is he in my notes? Beast and Storm and Colossus and Jean Grey, who has decided to dub herself during these code names as Marvel Girl, uh, to which Cyclops uh, re- continues to call her Marvel Girl throughout the rest of the comic, which I thought was really fun. Um, and he talks about how uh, he knows that the group isn't re- haven't really been together long enough to consider themselves a team or to work uh, on their teamwork, but uh, that Cyclops and uh, Marvel Girl cannot do this alone and is trying to get them into some sort of battle formation. But Storm mm-hmm. is very against it because last time that she used her powers, uh, she almost killed like 12 kids at a playground, which I thought was a really wild line to just kind of like drop <laughs> oh, you know what? Speaking of wild did. lines, we're gonna get to a wild line because what the fuck? There was a couple wild lines that came out during this fucking battle. Um, but yeah, Storm almost killing twelve kids. I think that's kind of realistic though, especially because like, um, it feels like the storm that we're seeing in this book is like waves different than the storm we see in six one six. The storm in six one six was in Africa. She was worshipped as a queen and all this other type of shit. Actually, no, as a goddess. This one seems like a girl who just who was from Texas, who grew up there, and just one day found out she had powers, which you know it's cool. Um, yeah, no, I agree with you though. I was just taken out of left field when she said I almost killed twelve kids. Um, but you know, basically Cyclops is then pushing her to do it, and she ultimately then does it, and she takes off fucking three Sentinels. Yeah, with just a single move. The the, uh, the artwork here is fantastic. It it didn't yeah. start really great. Like I said, it, the art made the beginning here a bit funky with the dialogue of her bringing up that she's almost killed children and the fact that no one really touches on it. It gives me 2016 Suicide Squad Diablo vibes. You know, it, feel, it feels like moving on past stuff that we really shouldn't be moving on uh, in, in the way that we are. Uh, but I, I would say, though, that it climaxes to a fantastic look of the giant lightning bolt from the sky hitting these three sentinels, one of their heads popping off, uh, the coloring, the pen work. It all just looks fantastic here. The, the action action is, is something else in this comic, I have to say, which I'm really happy to see because I feel with an X-Men comic, you're going to have to have some pretty good action. Um, basically, after that, Cyclops is like, well, shit, okay. Well, she took out most of them. He turns around, and she passed out. And then you just have, like, Cyclops, like, he's talking, and then he says, oh, fuck. After she passes out. <laughs> We're all gonna so die. Then, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then after that, uh, this is why I was saying it literally feels like it was, like, written like a movie, because the next part, we then cut to Beast, who's, like, just flipping around the fucking town, just ha- holding Bobby and doing some flips, just like doing some parkour shit up and down buildings. Do, dodging the doing like a, uh, like Hulk think like Hulk and yeah. Avengers when he's going off building to building. I thought this looked kind of cool. Yeah. And he was just going fast. And like Gene is asking if he needs help and he's like, no, you know, I, I I'm doing okay. I actually adjusted to Bobby being like his weight. And now we're going faster. Cause I just had to adjust for a second. Uh, he also, and... no, he also says something else here that was like really depressing. 
Well, that's uh, what I was going to get get to. Okay. Yeah. 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 Tell, t- say this. This so, is this the crazy lineage you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah. Good, good, good. Good. Okay. Yeah. You so take he, this he's just saying that, and he's just jumping around and everything. And then um, after that, Bobby then is like, "Wait, what do you mean? We we don't need help. Uh, we're like getting cornered by two of these uh, sentinels." And Hank, still not really giving a fuck, he then tells Bobby, "Take it easy." I've been getting shot at since my dad used to come home and take pitch pot shots at me when I was in a crib. What? <laughs> what? what? These guys really like to trauma dunk. Uh, uh, whoa, that was wow. That was something I like in the next like panels. You could understand why it was brought up, but I felt like there could have been something else that was said because that just sounded so random. That was very dark. So you mean to tell me you were getting beat on by a drunken dad? When you were a baby in a crib, beast, and you remember that? It's not that I don't feel sorry for you, Beast. I, I feel as though this is a complicated matter that we should definitely discuss because it's good that it is definitely occupying your mind since then. We are being shot at skyscraper to skyscraper right now by Sentinels. I feel like this is a very time to just kind of like drop that. Same thing with Storm. Like, I understand. Uh, her wanting to not use her power right but but just dropping like the catastrophe straight away like at certain points i will say uh with their characters i I think and i think it's because they're just trying to get so much in the comic and get the sentinel battle into the comic as 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 much as they can that they're also trying to put a little bit of character building here you know, with these type of lines, trying to get something to, for us as an audience to grab a hold and figure out where these particular characters come from. I, mm-hmm. I think, though, that maybe alluding to these other ways could have been better. Like, 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 yeah. especially like Beast Line. Like, it just comes straight out of like out of fucking nowhere, dude. It, uh, I, I was just taken aback. I had to like do a double take, and I'm like, but, really? But, Damn, but it, okay. it was brought up in a, in a different, like, more subtle way. Uh, and then we bring it up at like issue two or issue three or whatever. It, it could have worked a bit more, you know, um, because especially the main focus here that kind of disappears for a little bit amongst the action is, is the fact of Bobby. We're here to try to find Bobby now. Uh, originally, I would argue is to learn our heroes, but now we're trying to find Bobby. Um, but despite it all, uh, the action uh, amongst this dialogue is is really fantastic the art again is great work uh with the sentinel chasing around beast but i had an, another question for you damon before we move on it uh the, i know we've been on it for a second now how do you think or, or or rather what do you think is going through the government's head when they have agreed onto this initiative with the sentinels these giant uh mechanical kaiju s uh, robots that are trying to hunt down and eliminate these mutants. All the property damage that's just being left behind. We just didn't give a fuck about that, huh? I, I mean, we're in New York, um, and we've seen the Sentinels in L.A. and New York. I'm assuming but taxes are high as fuck there. We're Times Square, too, dude. This is a heavily yeah. populated area. Mr. Peanuts Nuts are just hanging right here. This, <laughs> this is a big communal place. Woo! You can't Not just Mr. Peanuts crush nuts. around Mr. Peanuts nuts. Oh gosh, 
Yeah, you know what? I honestly, I think it's one of those things where it's the government scared. People are scared. So when you're scared, you're going to just do whatever. Yeah, and it kind of reminds me in the 616, I think, honestly, they did a better way of explaining why they chose the Sentinels. The Sentinels was like more like a last result situation. And it was something that was like bubbling over like lots of books to finally then do Sentinels. I could have sworn. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. Do you feel as though it's out of a sense of finding something familiar and uh, something that can hook the audience quickly to an X-Men story out of being nervous or even with the film at this time to try to make sure that they can catch the success of the film and not think of so much of why they're putting everything in. Because again, with, be with a writer who doesn't know very much about X-Men being the lead of your ultimate series, which goes on for another 99 issues after this point, which is big deal. You make it to 100 issues, I would argue. I think it's fantastic that we have made it to episode seven here on the podcast, Super Saturdays. I think uh, so. The fact that they made it to 100. Uh, so I don't know. That's just something that, that, that I guess came to mind. Uh, it's just like, man, all this property damage. The government just doesn't give a shit. They'd rather kill these mutants, but a lot of other people are going to be hurt at the same time. I think it just makes a, a really great argument and, and probably could also be the point of the comic, too, is what, who, what's really worse here, right? Mm -hmm. uh, these these uh, threats uh, for peace by these anti-human made a, like, a group of Magneto and uh, his gang of mutants versus the way how the government wants to go about it which would also be an argument as as another sign of terrorism you know mm -hmm. uh just just something that came to mind in this particular bit here with the chase because uh it's not like beast is going in areas where it isn't heavily populated it's very hard to do that yeah. in new york yeah especially in times square which is like the most prom prominent place in new york right um, it it, it has to be because Mr. Yeah. Peanut's nuts are just swinging around. Bye. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what? I think he chose Sentinels probably because the 90s show was like a big deal. Like it was like one of the first things really put the X-Men in the public zeitgeist because that show everybody was watching in the 90s. Uh, mm -hmm. Even adults were, which is wild. Um, but so I think it was a little bit of that. Um, also because I'm assuming he was like, well, I still want to like build up the whole Magneto thing as like the main villain of like the story arc, but we still need something like an action piece for this to get to know what the characters can do, I guess. So fuck it. We're going to have Sentinels in here, have them be the problem. Um, and I, I don't know, but then again, you know what, uh, in the whole story arc, the Sentinels actually have a prominent role in the whole story arc too then. So I don't really know. I would also think, um... It was a good way to show it was a good way to have all the characters have their own little moment that's something that i noticed about this big fight is that every character had their own moment that was very defining for them in this issue which was pretty cool um especially because hank he is going around after he says that tra traumatic shit he then it's revealed that he actually tricked the two sentinels to blow each other heads off uh and then we then go over to cyclops um actually no this is before that we then go over to another Sentinel that's on the ground because the one that Storm killed was actually still alive. One, one of the three. Yes, one of the three. 
and the cycle the sentinel is actually about to kill humans because it's malfunctioning so it's going to kill the humans uh gene is trying to stop it but before she could fully like figure out how to, what to do um, Colossus tells her to move out the way, and he throws an old Navy semi-truck over it. And it explodes, saves, the, saves the, the people, all that shit. Cool, great stuff. Uh, then we go over to Cyclops. Cyclops is on the ground. He then gets snatched up by the Sentinel. And the Sentinel grabs him, holding his arms down so he can't use his optic blast. But it turns out he, he also has a trigger in his hands to use his optic blast. He then shoots the Sentinel's head, head off. But the body's falling, and Jean says she hasn't moved something that big before. She doesn't know if she can even hold it up. Yeah, everyone's panicking. I, the I thought people uh, on the ground are gonna die. I thought hmm? the art in this uh, was drawn uh, pretty funny. Uh, the yeah. way how I was interpreting Cyclops' voice in my head was was funny enough for some reason was monotone. I I don't know why. I, I just saw him as very like a. Uh, I, I'm gonna say it's just very like yeah monotone one beat not extremely expressive uh not freaking out either and I loved the the back and forth between Cyclops and Marvel Girl uh you have to remember their code names they she's been rebaptized here Damon she's no longer Jean <laughs> uh that uh he just kind of looks like he's floating in midair. Uh, he doesn't look like he has like any like difference in expression between the two or three panels back and forth with him like in the air after the repulse beam. I thought was really True. funny. Uh, I also wanted to just point out that it was a really cool James Bond moment too with the repulsor blast and and the action just really well done here and the com and the writing when it does hit comic wise like comedic wise uh, at this point especially I feel as though it did a great job. Uh, but yeah, no, there's uh, a lot in the line here, especially tons of casualties uh, or tons of innocent people underneath the, one of the millions of Sentinels now that have just taken over Times Square. Uh, and Jean Grey is not going to be able to do fucking anything. After she finds the whole team, she really doesn't do anything. I think the reason why is because, like, okay, yeah, Gene, you had your big moment. You were the one recruiting everybody. We knew what you could do. So, you know what? Sit this one out. You worked a lot today. You did a lot today. Just, 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 just sit down. Just just sit down, Gene. Just wait for the Phoenix event, kid. You did everything you can do right now. The Phoenix comes later. Exactly. Later. So you yeah. you just hang tight. You dick around. You go do something else. We'll, we'll hold the reins here, I guess. Yep, Gene, we got it handled. Even though your power is like pretty, pretty, pretty awesome, you can do a lot of different shit. You're kind of OP, actually, if nothing else. Uh, yeah. But now we're gonna use you in like issue ten. Don't worry about this. Don't. <laughs> actually, she's gonna get used in issue two because her and Wolverine fuck in issue two. We haven't even seen Wolverine in issue one. Have we? Or will we? Maybe. Who knows? Soups, listen know. in. I don't know. But um read the comic, home, you fucking mark. <laughs> <laughs> for those at home, Jay and I just looked at the camera all mysterious like. But anyways, yeah, Jean's sitting this out, she can't do it, and Bobby then is like, Everybody shut up. And then he fucking freezes the damn sentinel as he's falling and he saves the day. And Scott and well not Scott, uh fucking Hank, Beast, 
He's like cheering him on. The whole X Men team are cheering him on, saying that's actually pretty dope. But we're glad you know what your power is. He is he is now turned completely from a little boy into what looks like uh, an Iceman, a, a full on Iceman that is like uh, an early twenties, full on adult, uh, and everyone's kind of cool with it. I mean, I guess you know, of course they're gonna be cool with it. Um, at least, yes. Our mutant team's cool with it as he's trying to, or as Beast is trying to uh, raise Iceman's arm and call him a hero for what they've just done. Uh, and then some fucking asshole throws a whiskey bottle at his head and splits and then his, cracks his head, head open. open. Yeah. Cracks his head open. What the fuck was that? Why the fuck are we laughing, though? That's the fucked up part. Because it was right funny. There. Okay, no, it was not. Like, no, it was it's funny. Was it's either. funny for how it was drawn, not the fact that it happened. Because if you look in the same panel, where Beast is holding up Iceman's arm, you can see a little guy drawn with a little brown bottle. Like, he was oh, ready to go. That. Yeah, he was sitting there. And I was like, holy shit, dude. What an asshole. Like, this guy was waiting for the opportune moment. I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was funny just how it was drawn. The way how these Honestly, comics are drawn at points were supposed to be very serious. I, For mm-hmm. some reason, I just find it so funny. I don't know why. I don't find the action itself funny. Let me say, I'm not... Let me say that real quick, Supes. I, I don't think the fact that this kid got hit over the head with a whiskey bottle <laughs> is, is <laughs> or the idea you know, of it. You know, what was funny to me was the fact that, like, this guy just survived a near-death experience. Actually, the whole crowd, because there's a mob that forms after he's doing this, the whole mob, after literally running for their lives, they then have the time to pick up a nearby bottle. To then crack the head in the uh, okay, crack, crack that kid in the head. head, a child who a saved child. their ass. Who is yes? You are well aware that this is the reason why you are alive to throw the bottle at me, douchebag. Whatever. Man. And so they do that, and then yep. the X Men are like, G- "What the fuck?" Jean he Grey just saved- gets just as pissed as me, equally as pissed. Oh no, she's evil. Like not evil. She's mad. She's evil. She's pissed. <laughs> she has become evil because a grown ass adult is just beamed a kid with a whiskey bottle totally uh i meant to say angry but you know so she is obviously angry actually justified even and um she basically actually the whole team is just getting pissed and i like how Jean has like this like her mind green effect it seems like she was going to use her powers on them for a second but then Cyclops calms everyone down, and they he's like, let's go. And they run down an alley. They, they get chased out because they're followed yeah. by this whole mob. And the cops start shooting at them. D- dude, it's so crazy. Shit does not let up for these guys. Uh, and that's where, that's where we leave them. That's where we leave the team. We don't see them for yep. the rest. Yep, they run off, they're heckled by those people, and they leave. But where, where do we go next? We go to Magneto's lair, and Magneto to, is watching uh, the news. We go to the Savage Land. Evil Mount Doom of Magneto. I keep saying, I keep referring. Magneto? Magneto? I keep wanting to say, like, Dr. Doom stuff. Uh, we go to the evil hall of evil of Magneto's home that is also shaped like his helmet. Dead ass, it really was. Like the glass and everything had like the kind of the similar shape of his helmet and shit. Um, uh, dinosaurs and all, don't worry, they're still not extinct. Yeah. They're well, they're the pterodactyls are uh kicking. I don't know what they're eating on this island, I don't know what Magneto is doing in order to take care of these dinosaurs. I would imagine 
that that I mean, it's is... a swatch of land that has all the stuff there originally. So so they're yeah, self sustaining. But a but a pterodactyl is a meat eating dinosaur. But there's other dinosaurs there and other Yeah, animals. but have you ever seen this hit film Jurassic Park? No, actually. Dude, fucking pterodactyls are scary. I bet they are, Jay. Dude, all I'm saying is I like, bet they I bet all they I'm are. It's like that's millions of dollars, theoretically speaking. That's millions of dollars to make sure that you're taken care of for at least a pterodactyl, but, right? But is he taking care speaking. of them though? But I is would fucking hope that he should. Because I mean, it's a swatch of land, are, so it's self-sustaining. No, 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 no. Stop at the self-sustaining. There's two issues here with this pterodactyl, okay? Because Magneto and Professor X, they have disrupted the whole ecosystem here. Ever by since having the little, like, the, the yes, little, like... Yes, by, by having society take over there and them using fire. It's and just a them. little home. It's, just a little it's home. not just a little home. It is a It's giant, a mansion. It's a, it's a, a, giant it's a citadel. It's a citadel. Built yeah. like his head. Now, here's the thing. Yes, Magneto could have built it himself. The whole place could be made out of metal. He could have used his powers. However, comma. There's electricity and all other type of shit. There's electricity, okay? There is plumbing, all right? There is light pollution. There is just overall general pollution being made. There had to be at least a boat to bring the material, then just come out of his ass. You know? He can fly. I guess, but like. what point would have Magneto like have flown somewhere and then picked up with his head a whole clump of metal, taken it over to the island? You know what I he mean? He can do it. So, and this is the same I'm Magneto sure. that moved the tectonic plates. I'm sure, but I feel like that is much more of a ridiculous thing and something that I feel as though would have been worth Professor X's time reflecting upon uh, if it wasn't just them taking a boat, which also causes more pollution. Uh, so these dinosaurs... And now everything in this ecosystem is being hurt by by uh, by all these things, right? And now they're going to be hungry. The pterodactyl's going to be hungry, okay? And here's the thing. Little Magneto or Little Toad or whoever the fuck roaming down the beach, do-do-do-do-do, pterodactyl's flying by. He don't give a shit. He don't care that you're Magneto. He's going to eat you if he wants to eat you. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm just saying that I'm just saying that dinosaurs Jay cares about the savage land. Everybody. I'm just saying dinosaurs are really weird. I don't get why they're here and I don't get why Magneto has made his lair into his helmet. I don't get it. <laughs> I don't get it. And I want to know if the helmet design was before Professor Xavier decided to escape or after. Because if it's after, now we have a whole bunch of new problems. Because now there have been two construction jobs on this island. You need to get me I off. I got a sidebar. I, I got a sidebar. Yeah. Um, I hope you keep this little rant on there because this is funny as fuck. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, good. Um. Okay. <laughs> All right. So we're at the Savage Land, the place that Jay really feels that she should protect. Um. So we're at the Savage Land. Prote- we're there. Yeah, Savage Land. No, I'm just saying... I'm saying I'm not trying to I'm look I'm all I'm saying is I'm thinking I'm the only one who's thinking about these fucking pterodactyls. And, and save the pterodactyls guys. Can we also talk about No, I'm not saying save the pterodactyls. I'm saying No, no, you're saying save the pterodactyls. I'm yeah, saying it's... I'm saying that there is one of two outcomes that that need to come from this, okay? Because they have 
decided to take the responsibility of taking care of this island with the dinosaurs. Look, okay, here, look at it this way, right? Well, wait, 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 wait. One, one thing I want to add, though. Professor X has mind powers. Maybe he changed their needs mentally. What are you talking about? But you know what? You know what? Let's get. We'll get back to this. We will get back to yeah, this. Yeah, get me off show. this. Get off now. We, we, we will yeah, get back get to this. Okay, so we're back at the Savage Land. Yeah, because Magneto and... is here with uh, Toad and who I thought was either uh, 60s Electro, and then at one point it looked like you All it was Might. Electro? At one point I thought it was All Might because he had oh his hair. Oh, my gosh. But it's actually that, that, Quicksilver. That's how he looked in the 60s. Yeah, I know. But, I mean, yeah. But I don't, I don't, I don't read the comics. Gosh, um, yeah. So he's met there with that, and Toad. I was the minute Toad showed up, I was like, oh yeah. Mark Millar was like, I watched the movies, so y'all finna get the movies. Because who the fuck to puts Toad on the damn team? Who the <laughs> fuck cares about Toad? What the you're fuck? getting Toad, and you're gonna like it. Oh gosh. So at this moment. Magneto puts two and two together that the team that the news are talking about, they're talking about the situation that happened with the X-Men. And Magneto sees footage, and he's putting two and two together, that the X-Men were a team put together to rival his cult of mutants. And that Professor Xavier is alive, he's not dead. And basically, um, he's telling this to Quicksilver. Quicksilver is like, okay, well, you know what? I can go kill him. I'll do it for you, sir. And then Magneto is like, then like, oh, no, no, no one wants you, Toad. No one likes you. No, no this quick get, out of, get out of our comic book, Toad. No one, <laughs> no one cares for you. Oh, and gosh. your shitty kids WB uh, Happy Meal toys. Get out of here, Toad. And no one cares. Tongue. No one cares about tongue your tongue. Weird. No one cares about your Yoshi tongue. No one cares about your weird ass feet. So he. <laughs> so. Quicksilver is then like, you know, let me do it, let me do it, let me do it. And then Magneto is like, no, uh, because uh, Professor X would probably know that you're there when you're, like, halfway across the wait, fucking before world. You, he, before he you say you. this, though, you're forgetting an important bit here, actually. Uh, if we back it up just a quick second. I, 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 it's because I brought up Quicksilver. I know it's my fault. Um, but uh, Ahmed from our uh, Arabic or Midwestern oh, and Eastern yeah. of whatever uh, – comes back and wait a second uh actually quicksilver no wait no i think i mixed two things together my bad my bad yeah no he was talking to he put two and two together but then he talked about it later after talking to Ahmed. you're right my bad yeah yeah, yeah. and we're going uh and yeah he's able to put two and two and ahmed starts bitching about something i can't remember Neither will make Yeah, no, he, he had a meeting. He had a meeting with, like, the gang who were trying to get him a nuclear um, weapon. And Ahmed, he meets Ahmed out in, like, the lobby. That's where you see the fucking glass. It's the shape of his helmet. And Ahmed is like, thanks for meeting with me, Magneto, and thank you for listening to my reasoning for not doing, you know, fin like following through. Uh, as we know earlier, Colossus and all that type of shit, he wasn't able to get it because of all that stuff happening. So before Ahmed could go into more detail about what happened, Magneto asks him, do you still have that pacemaker? And Ahmed is like, yeah, why, why do you ask? He Magneto rips it. Kalima his ass. Yeah. Kalima his ass. It was fucking, oh my goodness. It was so freaky. Uh, it, it's, it's very clear that Magneto is very vicious. 
throughout the whole comic. And and at this point, it's important because it's not even just so much as the media making that look now. It's also just him doing that himself. Uh, and then, yeah, like Quicksilver is like, I can go and I can I can go kill. Uh, or Toad, Toad says it or Quicksilver says I can go and handle this. And Magneto's like, no, Quicksilver, no one likes you either. We're not sending you. No one. <laughs> We're not. You fucked up the movies. Uh, we're going to be sending uh, one of our, our top assassins. A tell, real assassin. A real assassin. Tell Wolverine his next assignment is ready. And it fucking cuts to this whole panel of Wolverine. And he's so badass. And he's got his claws in like a uh, crocodile. A crocodile, or yeah. Or whatever. It was two it was, in the water. Dude, fucking Man. wild. So, so Wolverine's like an assassin in this story. I thought that was really crazy. Now, uh, you know more about this. Is Sabretooth part of that as well? Uh, Sabretooth, yeah, he does. He's a part of the Brotherhood. That's sick. Okay, cool, cool, cool. That's it. That's all I wanted to know because I, I know I know those guys. <laughs> yeah. Um. You know, I have a question for you, Jay. Would you read the rest of the storyline? Like, did this do its job for you? Uh, yeah. No, it 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 did its job for what it, for what it's worth. I don't think it's the best uh, piece of media, but... But are you curious? Are you intrigued? Yeah, no, totally. For for someone who doesn't read a whole lot of X-Men stories and someone who doesn't know a whole lot of that particular lore, especially because I know there's tons of mutants in the X-Men comics, that this is a fantastic starting point, especially uh, during the highlight of the Ultimates coming uh, to basically take over marvel for a long time and kind of just presumably ever when you really look at all the movies uh but yeah no i would say that this did uh what about you damon what do you think um you know honestly yeah i am intrigued um i would read further which i did uh and yeah i think it did its job i feel like it just made it left you wanting more because you're really intrigued especially because i'm surprised that they were able to get through the entire book without wolverine being there but then again, Wolverine was on the damn cover, so he's the fucking poster child. See, and that's and that's the thing is when I when they first showed off Beast, who I've never seen as a non-blue version myself, uh, I thought he was straight away Wolverine, and then he never pulls out his claws. And I'm like, oh, sick! They'll show out the claws later. And then when they call them Beast, I was like, well, fuck! When does Wolverine show up? For him just to show up at this ending. It was very much kind of like how, uh, with the Wonder Woman comic, where Wonder Woman is finally Wonder Woman. I think also on like the last page, she also gets a similar yeah page just like this from last last week. I, I don't know. I thought it was I thought it was kind of quirky, but I guess that's kind of the thing uh, to get people hooked. Wolverine was definitely uh, something worth getting people to come back and read for because he's so popular. Yeah, um, you know. Jay, I don't want to spoil too much about this if you decide to go back and read the entire story. No, go for it. Tell me what happens. What what what's tell me what is meant to happen next. Well, what happens next is that Wolverine, he basically gets himself captured from the government. He then does it so that Professor X tells the X-Men to go get him. He then joins the X-Men, but he's just secretly infiltrating the X-Men so he can kill Professor X. He then starts having an affair with Jean Grey. They start banging. And ultimately, Gene finds out that he is there to kill Professor X. 
he then decides like he if he figures out that like okay you know what charles actually is a good man i don't want to like kill him i actually want to be a part of the group and more stuff ensues and then he he becomes part of the team officially and stuff yeah was that just from the movies or was that actually from that the is smurfs? from the cartoon is was, it really i was a huge smurf fan as a kid i thought oh, that yeah. was just the the live action movie that did that no uh her her actual uh origin uh both in uh i believe the actual smurfs comic so we could read the smurfs here for the podcast smurfs gives me easter vibes wink smurfs gives you easter vibes is it because they're all like pastelish why. I think it is. Or is that. it because they're French? Do the French make you think of Easter? Anyways, Joe, you gave this book a ten. Yeah, I gave this a ten. Uh <laughs> yeah, I gave this a ten. Uh I gave the story a three out of five. I thought it was basic middle of the road. It's getting us there. It's an origin to characters that we've already known because they've been around forever. It's a reboot, but it's a fine one visuals i ended up bumping up to a four i like them sometimes they're a little they're a little funky maybe i just have learned to really enjoy the ultimates after all this time the different alternating of the art styles really hooked me which i i you know i really appreciated uh impact i put a three i didn't really gain a whole lot i know that just uh for an ultimate universe level it's going to have some impact i'm sure it's going to have a huge impact for if and when we see the x-men make their cinematic re-debut uh on the silver screen or the streaming screen or whatever that they're probably going to look at a lot of this because they've taken a lot from all the other things except captain america's racism and the ultimates they decide to leave that Oh gosh, but uh, no, I thought I thought for what it was, uh, was fine. But nothing that I, I I would go back to just personally. I don't have a whole lot of like solid connection to. You also gave it a ten though, so you you gotta have some similar numbers here. Yeah, um, you know I gave the story a three because yep. you know same reasons that you did. Impact, I gave it two. Impact, you gave it two. So wait, you gave the visuals of a five star here. I sure did. Whoa, this was like this is like peak comic art to you. Yeah, I love it. Everything about it has gave me nostalgic vibes, especially the colors, and just the. I liked the art because something about the art even felt cinematic. Like a part of me feels like I would love to see like an animated adaptation that like adapted the art style in a way. Um, I yeah, I liked it a lot. I liked it a lot. I liked the pacing. It also felt like I was watching a movie that came out in the early two thousands. In all honesty. And this might be fighting words, but I feel like this movie, it felt a little bit more fun and a bit more grand than the first X-Men movie. You, and you, it the, could be because comic, of the Sentinels. Yeah. Uh, I mean, No, this comic felt like a little bit more grand than the actual movie. Is right. what I'm yeah. Originally, you said this movie is very much like yeah, the movie. Yeah, my bad, my bad. <laughs> yeah, I'm just jealous of it. Uh, yeah, no, I guess that could be it. The Sentinels do, do add a, a particular flavor, don't they? Uh, but yeah. I think that's just due to the fact of... of what they are is just overall antagonists, the size of them, what their, yeah. their motivation, you know, just going for, for the mutants. Uh, I, I'm curious to see uh, what exactly the impact they would have overall in the story after this. Um, what happens is um, the final showdown is in the Savage Land, and uh, the government sends 
a shit ton of sentinels to kill all of the mutants that are at the savage land because there's like a whole like fucking refugee camp there do the dinosaurs interact in the fight in some way no i give this a zero out of five in story (laughs) that what is the fucking point of the dinosaurs but you want to know something cool though the fact that on when the sentinels come magneto actually takes all the sentinels he then rewires them and then sends them to go to the white house oh that's fun Similar to what he did in uh, the Days of Future Past movie. Well, that's cool. Okay. So this came up before that. Hmm. I'm wondering if they got that idea from this. Interesting. It's almost as if all film and television writers seem to really like the ultimate comic. Possibly. Maybe. Possibly. Maybe. Probably look at every movie that's come out under the sun. Uh, But overall, that's a 20 on the comic. Meaning that it just squeaks out, uh, a ju- a just about holds up. Just about. Just. But about. what do you guys think? Did Ultimate X Men number one, the Tomorrow People, hold up? Be sure to give us your answers wait, by reviewing on. the wait, show. Wait, oh, say, oh. can you say that one more time? Sorry, I, I accidentally had the I, I clicked a button and uh, Google Chrome just popped up over you, so I didn't get your face. Can you say it one more time? Gotcha. Three, two, one. But what do you guys think? Did Ultimate X-Men number one, The Tomorrow People, hold up? Be sure to give us your answers by reviewing the show or remember. <laughs> Should I start over? Uh, Just do the be sure. Be sure to give us your answers by reviewing the show or messaging us on Instagram at Super Saturdays Podcast, TikTok at Super Saturdays Pod, and Twitter at Super Saturdays PC. Your messages and reviews can make their way on the show. This was Super Saturdays. I'm Damon. And I'm Jay Hayward. And I'm still on the hunt for a Howard the Duck Marvel Legends figure. Please, if you can find one, send it to me. Uh, that seems like a really fun thing to have. Uh, while you're at it, though, how about you also follow Damon and I on Instagram at Damon1003 underscore 1003 and at Gal. You can also check out my Twitter at Janie Hayward. Ooh. Yep. Shame trying to get my welcome. Twitter in there. I'm trying to get that Twitter in there. I've been on there. All I do is retweet. But if you like wrestling stuff, which I've had a couple of people uh, from the wrestling world starting to follow me recently, just check me out. I'll usually have like a hot take during a pay-per-view or what. Uh, but that's it. That's for us all over here at the show. It's Super Saturdays. See you next Saturday, Soups. Hey, Soups. Do you enjoy the music here on the podcast? Then why don't you check out our buddy Jake Voigt at jakevoigtmusic.com.